It's Friday, September 2nd, 2022. Time for the Friday edition of the Sports Wagon Podcast. How's everybody doing? It's your man, Uncle Dub. Hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. This is episode 166. So we're going to start today in the WNBA. So semifinal action from Wednesday night. So game twos, two game twos. And kind of thinking about how these games went down i kind of feel like it's like a kind of reminds like star wars this is gonna sound weird but chicago over connecticut the empire strikes back 85 77 to tie the series at one apiece candace parker 22 points for the veteran john quill jones goes for 23 points and several rebounds for connecticut so the big thing for the sky game one they shot 35 percent game two vast improvement 51 percent there were still some you know a few a little bit of a, a little bit of sloppy play but it was way better in comparison to that first game uh in chicago in the second game las vegas over seattle 78 to 73 to tie that series of one apiece so that is you know like star wars and new hope so the new hope come back to take down seattle asia wilson 33 points and 13 rebounds Brianna Stewart, 32 points. She had a big night for the Storm. So pre-game, Jackie Young received the Most Improved Player Award, and Asia Wilson received the Defensive Player of the Year Award. So kind of as expected. I think most folks felt that uh, Jackie Young would be MIP. Um, Defensive Player of the Year, again, there was a lot of conversation, Asia or Stewie. At, you know, my prediction, I said I have Asia Wilson winning both. So we'll see. I know the MVP will be announced uh, in a few days from now. I believe that will be announced. Well, supposedly at right now, September 7th. So we'll see if that date holds true or that information will come out a little bit earlier. So game three, Sunday. So we start in Connecticut, 1 p.m. on ESPN2. And then we switch over to ABC at 3 p.m. Las Vegas goes to Seattle. One other award was given out yesterday. Brianna Jones of Connecticut wins the sixth woman of the year. So she was pretty much unanimous. She got 53 of 56 first place votes. Azure Stevens from Chicago got two. And Maisha Hines Island from Washington got one first place vote. So this season, Brianna Jones averaged 13.8 points, 5.1 rebounds, and two steals per game. She is the third storm. I'm sorry, she is the third member of the uh, Connecticut uh, Sun team, rather, to win the most, uh, uh, to sixth woman of the year. So, so she was MIP, most improved player last year. She's sixth woman of the year this year. So she joins John Quill Jones, who won the award in 2018, and, Re- and Renee Montgomery, who won the award in 2012. Um, U.S. Open, a lot of U.S. Open stuff going on. So again, uh, it, it's kind of a moving target. And I really hate how ESPN... Um, and I don't know if I can I can sort of see it better on my computer versus my phone. But the way ESPN parses out the, the U.S. Open stuff is just confusing. They show every single match, singles, doubles, blah, 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 mixed doubles for a particular um, day. So um, I'm going to have to take some time to kind of parse through everything and kind of reset the deck on Monday as to where we are with the U.S. Open. But um Wednesday night, Serena Williams upsets number two, Annette Contevite, 7-6, 7-4 in a tiebreaker, 2-6-6-2 to advance to the third round. So I believe she will be uh, playing again tonight. So she is in a match tonight against Aja 
Tom Levitch of Australia. So it's 7 p.m. tonight, I believe. Some more likely ESPN. Um, in between uh, whatever football they'll be showing, because of course college football is back this week. At least this is week one. So last week, week zero. So we talked about week zero on the last on the Monday, Tuesday episode or last time I recorded a solo episode. Um, so the only other match that is of note coming up, because again, there's a bunch of them because a lot of um, these uh, upper, these ranked players, they're kind of been in uh, playing at different times and the, 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 the tournament draw is still kind of in flux and moving. Um, Madison Keys will take on Coco Golf. I believe that might be today as well. So we'll update. We'll reset the deck and update all the U.S. Open scores as soon as possible once I can get my arm around everything that's happening there. Um, as a reminder, so we go into the weekend. We used to, you know, I used to kind of do try to do a whole weekend setup, but it's kind of hard to do a weekend setup when we're going to talk about so many of these things. But we'll kind of put the plug in here. Remember that the NASCAR playoffs start on Sunday, so they'll go through a 10-race sequence. Um, they'll eliminate uh, four drivers after the first three races, and I think that number will change a little bit closer to the championship race. So if you win a race, you get a, you advance to the next round. So on Sunday, 6 p.m., USA, it'll be the Cookout Southern 500. They'll go 367 laps at Darlington. So uh, we'll keep our eye on that. We'll update um, the NASCAR playoffs and the winners and how the points go uh, next week. Let's go over to the world of golf. So live golf, LIV, whatever you want to call it. You know, I, I can call it some other things other than LIV, but they pick up several more PGA golfers. So the list, um, Joaquin Neiman, who is uh, 19th ranked in the world, uh, 46th ranked Harold Varner, the third, 55th ranked Cameron Tringale, 62, 62nd ranked Mark Leishman and 92nd ranked uh, Anirban Lahiri. But the big name in this is second in the world, Cameron Smith. If you remember, Cameron won the 150th Open this you know past July. And even before this news came about, there were rumors circulating that he was going to go and he denied it. And even when there was the denial of the rumors and the rumors got out, I remember he was playing in one of these tournaments uh, a few weeks ago, about two, maybe about two or three weeks ago, and uh, he was playing with Scotty Scheffler. And <laughs> so if you play golf, you know the biggest cardinal sin, especially when you're on the putting green, is to you know walk across. Don't walk across someone's line. That is a cardinal sin. Even if you kind of do some weird thing where you maybe you're trying to put the ball, you'll kind of, you know, I've done the whole, I'll do the splits to maybe make sure I'm not on someone's line and I'll tap the ball in. I mean, Smith is lining up his ball and Shuffler walks right across his his putting line and and he just had this look of like, what the hell on his face? But he wasn't going to do anything. But I guess at that time it was a rumor and it seems as if, you know, the rumor came true that he is leaving for LIV Golf. Um, so, I mean, again, I, I, I still hold my position. I really think that what this is outside of, you know, taking, you know, this is what I don't understand. You have so many people who are golf purists, but are like, yeah, this is great. We should have this, um, this carnival like atmosphere to play golf and these guys can make all the money they want. But these same people 
are purists. I don't understand that. Um, and then, of course, the biggest, the bigger picture that I've talked about with LIV golf is simple. It is basically the you know the Saudi you know the Saudi interests are trying to deflect away from their you know just a lot of their terrible policies and things that they've involved themselves in. So it's interesting because people don't think of it that way. In other words, it's this idea of people don't want to, you know, intersect the real world, the the things that are happening and sport. Everybody there, you know, we're in this age where everybody wants to separate the two when we've said so many times on the show that they can't be separated. Sports and politics are intertwined. And yet, you know, you have, you know, this Saudi interest that, you know, they're buying up sports teams. They're, um, you know, putting themselves in so many different types of, um, you know, in, you know they're, they're doing sports things because everyone likes sports or, you know, the vast majority of people like sports. So if we bring you this thing and we dump all this money in it, then it's, oh, you'll like us because we brought you this. Don't, you know, ignore all the, you know, all the talk about, you know, we were involved in these things, you know, terrorism and 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 murder and and extortion no 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 that, that don't worry about that you know that's not it that's not the issue the issue is i'm bringing you so for example uh liv i'm bringing you this look at this you get to see these great golfers play 54 holes of golf and they get to do you know they get to be outlaws and badasses and they just get to do all this cool stuff and make more money than they could ever, uh, you know, imagine their life. Because Harold Varner III himself said, you know, this is a life changer for me. You know, I can go play, make all this money, you know, have a better future for my kid, blah, 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 blah. I mean, to look at this list, I'm going to be real with you. Cameron Smith's the only one that really has done something. Sorry. Um, I think Joaquin Neiman, I believe, was kind of, I think he's kind of been in the conversation in a few majors, but the rest of these guys, okay, what have you done? Again, now it's to the point that so many golfers in the PGA who have achieved, maybe won a major or maybe won a FedEx Cup, so many of them are going, we don't want any parts of this. So they're just going, okay, well, anybody else who wants to come over can come over. So they're attracting golfers who want to make money, but initially it seemed to me that LIV Golf wanted to attract the biggest names, but I stick to what I said. Two things going back to the point it's sports washing. I think the article in the New York Times talked about this being sports washing. But the second thing here is it's it just amazes me that you get these guys that want to be paid at this level that is superstar. So I think in a, in a previous show, the example I used was. If you could pay everyone in the NBA at the LeBron James level, that's what they want. And it doesn't work that way. OK, or or we just make it golf. You want to pay everybody at the Tiger Woods level. But here's the difference. Tiger one you know, was a consistent winner, won a lot of majors, got Nike money. So, again, it's just like if these guys could all get that same level, then it's OK. But because many of them feel like, well, the PGA isn't doing enough for me, but my whole thing is, okay, you get PGA money, you get sponsorship money, what more do you want? Now, in response, the PGA has said, okay, we're going to, 
you know, up our prize money a little bit. And I said, okay, fine. That's fine. So, but to the point of Phil Mickelson, who swears out, you know, when he left, oh, the PGA is holding out on us. I'm going, how much really could the PGA be holding out on you? Like, seriously, like you, you, you make it, he makes it sound like if I go to this tournament and make, uh, I don't know, I'm going to throw out some number. If I can make $500,000, and the PGA saying, well, no, actually, you could probably make about a million. You know, we're holding out another half a million. I mean, he makes it sound like the PGA is just like, no, we're just going to hold out this money because you don't deserve that money. So, again, this issue with LIV golf is way bigger than us talking about money. The money is the problem here because the people who are backing this are banking on you to think about this from a sporting standpoint as opposed to a political standpoint where there's an agenda here. There is an agenda for them to want to attract you to this, to be interested in it, to forget all of the bad stuff that's going on here. And frankly, from, you know, and I don't know how much this has changed, but there was a point in time where people were saying, well, the uh, events aren't very well attended. You know, the ticketing was you know, how to get a ticket was confusing and crazy. And and even it got to the point, I think, prior to their first event, uh, LIV said, well, we're going to have to start giving out tickets. So people showed up and didn't have tickets and were interested. So you go, OK, well, you get in for free. So in essence, because the backers have so much money, they don't care. And, and that's the other thing, too. They also said that we're willing to spend billions. So they actually have unlimited resources from the money standpoint to not only pay the golfers, but they have unlimited resources to market, to make this attractive in some way. But again, don't lose sight of the big picture. The big picture has an agenda. If they hook you into, well, we're offering these golfers the opportunity to make more money than they could ever imagine, then the big issue here is they're distracting you away from the big picture. But really, isn't that what's happened in our world these days that even in this country and around the world, we are just being distracted by so many outside influences. Even, you know, as much as, you know, you know the, the, the press is still doing their job but again if you think about you know uh, tv um uh, cable t cable television like cable news i mean honestly i haven't watched the news i haven't sat down and watched the news in years i refuse i mean every story is depressing it's you know there's very little independent reporting like i would listen to bbc news more so these days but even sometimes listening to them you hear the worst of the worst or they take a story they dissect it they give you the real the real story and that's true journalism in my opinion here in america it's very much a sensationalist type of uh reporting or the real stories that are out there are being reported by independent media they're not telling you the real story so again you're really being distracted and this is by all cable news i mean i'm not just picking on you know the far right even you know what who, people who call themselves progressive or uh, progressive media or i don't say liberal media which you know the conservatives swear out every media is liberal the media has never been liberal let's go ahead and get that straight right now but the people 
who are behind LIV Golf. The real story is not being told. So you got to do your homework. Don't be distracted by the fact that they're allowing these golfers to make all this money and entertain you because even some of these golfers themselves have said, well, it's really not my job to have a conscience about this. But is it is it really? I mean, it really should be your job. You should have a conscience here because if you play golf and maybe you're you have kids and maybe your kids want to play golf or maybe your kids watch golf with you and say, hey, I want to play golf like that guy. But if he's going over to play LIV golf, then is that a is does that reflect well for that particular player? So, again, there's so many layers to this LIV situation that, you know, I, I like I said, with these guys who left, big whoop de doo bye. You know, Cameron Smith is the only one who, for me, I go, wow, that's, that's a big loss. The rest of these guys, eh, whatever. But the big picture for all of them, or the big picture for this whole situation, is don't be blinded by what the interests are doing here. They are trying, they, they are, well, trying. The way I see it, this um, situation is so polarizing that they are successfully blinding people with, oh, yeah, I get to watch some great golf and do all these great things. But it's just like you have to think about the atrocities that they're trying to cover up, because, again, that that's really the big the big issue here. Um, so um, one other piece of that with this LIV situation um, the PGA, um, this will affect these players currently who left and the ones who have been gone. This will affect their eligibility to play in the President's Cup. So the PGA sanctions the President's Cup. So thus, these gentlemen who have left, they basically have forfeited their PGA membership. So thus, they cannot be considered for the President's Cup. So President's Cup is USA versus an international team. So... Because you see a number of international players leaving, the international roster or the players that could be on the international team has taken a huge hit. And they were already a bit of an underdog to the U.S. Now they are a huge underdog to the U.S. Now, that's not to say that the guys who potentially could play may um, you know, step up and play big and win the President's Cup. But right now, it doesn't look too good. Uh, the chances for the international team to beat U.S. is not looking very good right now. Um, also, a few weeks ago, LIV filed a federal lawsuit, a federal antitrust lawsuit against the PGA. So that's the other big issue that people are saying that, you know, the PGA is trying to essentially or is holding a monopoly to say that, you know, these guys can't go play there or they can't have dual um, dual playing privileges or what have you. And again, this is really, to me, this is really right versus wrong. I mean, again, you can, there are plenty of things you can say, say that the PGA is doing wrong. You can, you can say that, but at the end of the day, this is right versus wrong. And I'm not saying that the guys in the PGA are doing such a great job of railing against all these issues. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, a whole nother show, but essentially you know, if you think about this idea that there are certain uh, re regulations or certain rules that the PGA has, and and they basically say that you know, if you are a PGA a tour carrying a tour card carrying member, 
you cannot do other things unless you get the express uh, consent of the commissioner. And something like this, it does eat away at the PGA's ability to be a viable entity. So, I mean, they, they, I mean, obviously there are legal arguments on both sides that are going to be made. So this is still a story that's going to continue because the golf season is ending, but we're going to be talking about this for a while. So we'll kind of be updating you on this as it goes along. Um, NFL, let's go to some NFL news. The Broncos extend Russell Wilson's contract five years through the 2028 season. He's currently under contract for $296 million. So um, his deal is he gets a $245 million deal. $165 million is guaranteed. So this will be the third most lucrative contract in league history. So he is behind uh, Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray. So Deshaun Watson got a $230 million contract and then gets suspended, which I say he should have gotten a season suspension. And Kyler Murray gets a 100, about $190 million deal. Um, for Wilson, this is his 11th season. Of course, he opens the season uh, versus Seattle on Monday Night Football. I think they go to Seattle, the Broncos. So nice AFC, uh, nice uh, West battle, NFC West, AFC West. Um, yeah, this, this is big because, you know, the Broncos needed a quarterback. They got the guy they wanted and, you know, he hasn't taken a regular season snap, but they know that he's their guy and, you know, building that team and putting the right pieces around him. You know, we're looking at a team that, you know, again, the AFC West is going to be fun to watch. There's going to be a lot of activity in the AFC West, but the Broncos are, you know, hopefully want to put the right pieces around him. Maybe Wilson can get another ring or two before he gets out of here. Cause I believe he said he wants to play at least, I, I, I feel like the number is like 10 years. I feel like it's a little more than 10 years, but he said he he's in, in it for the long haul. He wants to play for a, a little bit longer. So through the 2028 season, he is definitely uh, the guy in Denver. Um, just so not to remind you, you probably know the season starts next Thursday at SoFi where the Bills will play the defending Super Bowl champion Rams. Um, before we get to college football, let's do some news and notes from women's college basketball. So as you know, on August 3rd, Paige Beckers tore her ACL. So she's going to miss the 2022-23 season for UConn. So UConn, because of that, they were a little bit thin at the guard position. So they added some depth by bringing in 5'9 guard Inez Betancourt, so she plays uh, overseas in the Azores. The Azores is part of Portugal. So Betancourt more than likely will play behind Nico Mule, Nico Mule who is expected to uh, start in place of Beckers. So yesterday it was announced that uh, Beckers will return for the 23-24 season. So she, you know, some talk was thinking, well, maybe after she recovers, she may head to the WNBA draft, but she says she's coming back for uh, that next season. So uh, all the best to her. I mean, again, um, you know, you know, wherever you stand on this, I mean, again, I try not to get into it you because know, sometimes I listen to people talk about, you know, OK, we, we all you all have your feelings. Some folks have their feelings on UConn, you know, OK, they're a dynasty. They're great. 
oh my god they win too much people have issues with Gina or Emma I mean let's push all that aside for a second you see a young lady who can play the game of basketball she loves the game she does so much outside of basketball and you know I just wish her the best I wish her the best you know um you know you don't want to see anyone miss uh miss a season or get hurt and it's unfortunate but um you know we'll know that we know that she'll be on the bench and she'll be a huge cheerleader for her team um one other new one other note here what's going on kansas state center aoka lee she will miss the 2022-23 season due to knee surgery so she had um she's had knee problems previously um if i remember her head coach i think it's jeff mitty noted that during the summer there was kind of uh she was trying to do some work during the summer um kind of to you know get the knee feeling better she was you know doing a lot of rest some i want to say some rehab but apparently it wasn't enough so she's gonna have knee surgery if you remember she uh was a second team all-american last season and she scored a game high but it was 61 points against oklahoma um i think she had another game last season she scored about 56 points so she was um with that performance last year and then a lot of people were wondering uh, was she going to maybe dip her foot into the NBA WNBA draft this past year? But she said she would return for one more season. She's actually taking graduate work this year, um, so this will be her. La- this would have been her last season. So it's going to be interesting, you know, once she uh, you know gets out of you know surgery and begins her recovery process. Then the questions will be, you know, how. You know how high will she go in the draft? I mean, with her size, with her ability, um, you know, she definitely could make an impact on the WNBA roster. But again, coming back from injury, you gotta, you know, get yourself back into playing shape and just kind of prove to you know scouts that you're ready to take that next step. So we wish her the best as well because I was really looking forward to seeing her playing this year to see how you know the next progression for her. Um, of course, you know, Kansas State, what uh, they were going to put around her because, you know, I thought Kansas State was going to do a little bit more uh, in their postseason this past year. But I feel like they need maybe a few more pieces to put around her. Now, this team without a dominant center, they've got to refocus their uh, their their strategy and, and, and kind of see how they're going to uh, look uh, next season. All right, when we come back, so we're going to go through college football. So we're going to review last night's game, talk about some notable games tonight. We'll do the week one picks. So we got games Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, long weekend. And, of course, the first Friday episode back from hiatus, what do we do on Fridays? We do dubs and L's. So we're going to get the dubs and L's in just a moment.
right, everybody, welcome back. So let's look at college football. So probably why you're here, because, <laughs> of course, it's Friday. We uh, delve into uh, the college football here on Friday and, of course, week one. So as I told you, week zero, I went one and one. So I only picked two games or only really two fairly interesting games uh, to uh, note in week uh, zero. So I started picking two Thursday night games. And guess what? I'm 2-0, and oh, but I am 2-0 and oh by the that by the smallest margin because these games <laughs> I tell you I started watching them or I, was, I think I listened to some of the Pittsburgh game uh, on the radio because I was trying to come home from work so that's a whole nother ball of crazy wax um, and then I watched a little bit of the Penn State game uh, when I uh, when the uh, the backyard brawl was over so uh, last night, Pitt over West Virginia, 38-31. Keaton Slovis, 16-24, 308 yards and one touchdown. And for West Virginia, Bryce Ford Wheaton had nine receptions, 97 yards and two touchdowns. Penn State beat Purdue 35-31. to So I think I said both of these games are going to be close. I picked Pitt. I mean, West Virginia, I think West Virginia, if I recall correctly, was on a winning streak against Pitt, if I recall correctly. But they haven't played this game and i think 11 years so this is the first time they played in a few years um so a late 10 yard touchdown sealed the victory for penn state so we're talking with 10 seconds left uh sean clifford threw a touchdown pass uh clifford goes 20 for 37 282 yards four touchdowns and one interception for purdue aiden o'connell goes 29 of 58 356 yards and one touchdown Tonight, some notable games. So I, these are a few games I thought I was going to pick, but then I was like, eh, you know, they're not. These these games aren't really singing to me. As a, only a couple of these games, I was like, maybe I'll pick these games. There's some interest, but again, in the grand scheme of things, some of these games just aren't that exciting. But they'll be fun to watch, and I think I'll be tuning into a few of these games. 7 p.m. ESPN2, Western Michigan visits East Lansing to take on Michigan State. Virginia Tech goes to Norfolk to take on Old Dominion University at SB Ballard Stadium, 7 p.m. ESPNU. Temple visits Wallace Wade Outdoor Stadium, uh, Brooks Field, 7.30 ESP of uh, 7.30 on the ACC Network. 8 p.m. Fox Sports 1 in Illinois goes to Bloomington to take on Indiana. And then ESPN after dark, 10 p.m., Texas Christian goes to Boulder to take on Colorado. Let's get to the picks for week one. So the additional picks. So already I'm 2-0. So I got 12 games. Um, so it's 10 games I got left. So let's see how we do here. So could I run the table this week? I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna bet the farm on it, but we'll see how it goes. And actually, you know what? I think uh yeah, some of these I didn't pick yet, but we'll work it out here. All right, first off, 3:30 ABC. The Chick-fil-A kickoff from Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Number 11, Oregon at number three, Georgia. Georgia are 17-point favorites. I think the defending national champs will get this, but an interesting matchup. Dan Lanning, who was the defensive coordinator for Georgia last year, now plays his old team as he's now the head coach at Oregon. Drama. So, uh, but I'm going to take the dogs. So 17 points. I don't think this is going to be a, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. 17 points is not a, a nice amount of points, but I don't think it's going to be 17. This will be a, a pretty good matchup uh, between these two teams. Um, 3.30 ESPN, number 23, Cincinnati goes to Fayetteville to take on number 19, Arkansas, who are six and a half point favorites. 
Um, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Arkansas on this one. Um, it's something I like about uh, Sam Pittman's team. Um, I mean, I think since he's gonna come with it, I mean, of course they've got to replace some guys. Sauce Gardner, you know, he's no longer on their defense. Uh, Desmond Ritter, he's gone. So I mean, again, they're gonna come with it. I mean, this is not going to be the Cincinnati team of last year, but they're going to be competitive. I think they're going to be, I mean, between them and Houston, I think those are the two ranked teams in the AAC. But I'm going to take uh, SEC in this one. I'm going to go to Arkansas. Um, 6 p.m. So uh, from Armstrong Stadium in Hampton, Virginia, the 97th meeting and the 97th time will ask one simple question. Who's the real HU? Howard takes on Hampton and let me say this I've been to a Howard Hampton game and first of all that 6 p.m. kickoff time chef's kiss I mean that is the golden time of the day I mean you get there about I don't know about noon one o'clock start tailgating man by the time you go into the game you are full you've got you know you've had a few you're ready to go you're fired up about the game of course halftime it's band time um, and of course, it, it wouldn't be Howard Hampton without uh, a step show breaking out in the parking lot. I've witnessed this and I love it. Shout out to both Howard and Hampton. Now, Hampton is on a five game winning streak. They are at home. I'm going to take the Pirates uh, to be uh, to win this game in the 97th meeting all time between these two great rivals. Let's move over to 7 p.m. ESPN. Number seven, Utah goes to uh, Florida Field at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium to take on the Florida Gators. Utah are three-point favorites in this one. I'm going to take the Utes. Three points? Mm, yeah, I think three points might be about right. Th anywhere from three to seven. So three is about right. It could be about seven points. I got Utah winning this one. Of course, the big game tonight, number five, Notre Dame at number two, Ohio State, 730 ABC. Ohio State are 17-point favorites. So um, just to remind you, if you didn't, go back one episode to listen to the Ohio State preview show. So we talked about the game from the Ohio State perspective. I also got to interview, you know, in this um, uh, show, I had the pleasure of talking with Jay Stevens. So he is the host of Locked on Buckeyes podcast. He has his own podcast. Um, big Ohio State fans. I wanted to know more about his fandom. And of course, he gave me a lot of great gems and things to look for in this game. So if you want to get ready for this game, go back an episode, check it out. Great, great, great interview. Love Jay, have, love having Jay on the show. And we'll hopefully have him back on very, very soon. Um, I'm going to take Ohio State in this one. Again, this is going to be a dogfight. I think, um, you know, Notre Dame's not going to lay down. Notre Dame's not going to. You know, they're, they're not going to come in, uh, you know, uh, uh, no slouch here. This is a business trip. Um, now, again, uh, earlier in the week, um, uh, Marcus Freeman said, you know, when asked about going back to Notre Dame, uh, going back to Ohio State, rather, he played linebacker at Ohio State. And, you know, he said, you know, he was emotionless. And I mean, that, that's kind of a stretch to say you're emotionless. M my whole thing is I feel this way. Um you want to say that maybe, you know, you want to reduce the amount of emotion or you want to kind of take that emotion and kind of harness it in the right way. I mean, he's a head coach. He's going to go back to his alma mater leading Notre Dame. I mean, that, that, that's kind of a stretch, but I, I kind of understand what he was trying to say that he kind of wants to 
do his best to take the emotion out of it as he tries to, you know, as he's going to coach his his first uh, his first game in his first full season as head coach. Remember, he coached the uh, Irish in the bowl game at the end of last season. Uh, 8 p.m. ACC Network. Louisville goes to upstate New York to take on Syracuse. I'm going to take I'm going to take the Cardinals in this one um, for Syracuse and Dino Babers. This is a do or die season. Uh, Syracuse has got to come out strong. So they made some changes. Um, so they brought in a new defensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't want to throw any shade here, but offensively, it's gonna be, it's gonna be weird and interesting to watch. Uh, considering that uh, defense, I think they're gonna be, uh, I think they'll be a little bit better on the defensive side. Offensively, mm, they'll be okay, not great. I think the play calling is gonna be a little weird, um, but that's just my opinion. Uh, Ten thirty, ESPN after dark. Boise State visits Corvallis to take on Oregon State, two and a half point favorites. Um, I believe Oregon State, I think they were rebuilding their stadiums. I'm hoping that thing is ready to go. Um, I think as soon as the the season ended for Oregon State, they start blowing that thing up and redoing it. But Research Stadium um, should be rocking and rolling. Um, I'm going to take Oregon State. I think um, this team is ready to take that next leap. Now, um, in the Pac-12 yeah, they, they've got some they've got some hurdles to jump over. I mean, definitely against Oregon. Uh, they're still kind of going to be kind of in Oregon's shadow. But um, I, I like Oregon State in this one. On Sunday, 3 p.m. on ESPN2 from Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, the Denny's Orange Blossom Classic. Uh, the Rattlers of Florida A&M will take on Coach Prime's Jackson State team. Florida A&M already is, has has one game under their belt. They played UNC last week and lost. And I and I know they've been having some issues. I know prior to them going to Chapel Hill, there was some talk about there were some at least the rumor started there were a lot of ineligible players. It I think the story was found to be untrue. There were a few, not a lot. <laughs> Again, it's amazing how people put yeast in things. But there were a few ineligible players. They managed to, you know, make the trip, and they lost to UNC in Chapel Hill. I'm gonna take Jackson State in this one. Um, I mean, we all know. I mean, we're seeing how this program has turned the page and has just grown and evolved uh, under Coach Prime. Um, one other thing we wanted, to, I wanted to say that you know we're hoping that the situation in Jackson, Mississippi, has improved. So they've been having issues with their water treatment plant. So um, Coach Prime went on social media to talk about the things that he was trying to do to kind of get the guys making sure that they, you know, get the proper water intake. They can get the hotels and get showers. So the whole um, infrastructure of the city's water, there's a lot of issues. And I think the governor of Mississippi was trying to get some stuff together. I mean, I think there's federal money that's coming. But uh, again, Again, and here's another example. I mean, we're not really thinking about it, but this is how, you know, life impacts sport. And this is political. This is a political issue. You know, how is it that and and from what I understand, the city of Jackson has had these issues for a long time. But this is what I'm talking about is like people want to sit here and say that, you know, thinking about political issues and how they impact sport, the two don't 
exist together and they do they're very intimately linked and this is yet another example it's like you've got guys who are going to school they're student athletes but then and this could happen anywhere but for this to be a consistent problem and not be dealt with and now this impact is being felt you know uh, across the board for uh you know the city of jackson for all the students of jackson state um but you know he uh, coach prime just talked about you know, just making sure that the guys get what they need to be ready to practice and to get ready for this game. So, you know, uh, our my best to, uh, you know, the city of Jackson that, you know, th- this issue gets resolved more sooner than later. And there is a permanent solution to ensure that their 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 water system, their infrastructure gets fixed properly. Now, let's, oh, late Sunday night. So, 7.30 ABC, the All-State Louisiana kickoff from Caesar Superdome in New Orleans, Florida State at LSU. LSU are three-point favorites. I'm going to go at LSU. Um, maybe a little more than three points here, but I'm going to take the Tigers here over Florida State. Again, another coach who's kind of needs to have a pretty big year and Mike Norvell at Florida State. And, you know, I'm hoping that Florida State does something this year. I mean, they look like they've got the tools to make this better. But the other thing that has to happen here is there's got to be a little bit more patience from the fan base. I get it. You guys have been through a lot over the last few years. I mean, really, you know, with all the controversy and all the issues and, you know, coach after coach after coach, um, you know, this program's turning in the right direction Um, for it to kind of get back to a point to where you know you, you know what Florida State fans want is for it to go back to the way it was and of course you do but because of the level to which the program has fallen it's going to take some time and yeah there was some some anger losing you know the top prospect in the country to coach prime you know who is a Florida State alum and people were feeling some kind of way about it and I, and I talked about that, but at the end of the day, you know, you got a coach who's committed to getting it done. He brought in some good guys. He's got a lot of good talent coming back. It's going to take time. I mean, if you go from a national championship winning program and you drop down two or three notches for a season or two and you get right back on the horse and keep it moving, that's one thing. This happens. I mean, Alabama, I mean, come on, Alabama right now, I think I've just read a, a a headline that said that they're probably the biggest national title favorite in like 20 years. Um, I mean, they just continue. They're just consistent. Every year it's the same thing. They just bring in top class at the top class at the top class, although it seems as if other programs are catching up. But to the level that Florida State has fallen, I mean, you just can't expect to go from, you know, losing – you know, to teams that no one's ever heard of to right back in the national championship conversation overnight. It, that's not how it works. But, you know, in this culture that we're in, this win now culture, and then to some extent people say win now at all costs, which that gets you into trouble. And we've seen plenty of examples of that. You know, Mike Norvell, you got to give him the time to get it done. That I mean, it's just that simple. But, you know, When you have, you know, football culture, you have people with money and you have people who have whims to say, listen, I've got me and 
10 other people can give you $40 million a drop of a hat, which still blows my mind to this day. If y'all can do that, can I can I hold about, I don't know, can I hold a mill? You know what I'm saying? Because bro needs about a mill right now. But if you have that kind of power, if you got people like that with those kinds of pockets and that kind of power, then the patience is going to be thin because the problem is solved with money. Okay, well, this coach ain't working out. And we got this guy over here who probably can solve our problem. He want, you know, we can get him here for 20 million. If you get rid of this guy for 15, we can, you know, pay him off of 15, pay him 20 and got what 35, got 5 million that we can put in a drawer somewhere. You know what I'm saying? So it's though it's that kind of culture that has, you know, permeated college sports, you know, football and basketball for years and years and years. That's nothing new. But it just seems like it's just getting worse, you know, that, you know, fan bases are losing patience and they're losing patience very, very quickly. Monday night, 8 p.m. ESPN, Chick-fil-A kickoff part two. <laughs> Again, from Mercedes-Benz in Atlanta, number four Clemson takes on Georgia Tech. So this is an ACC game. Um, there was no line on this game, which is very strange. But um, I'm going to take Clemson over Georgia Tech. Now, mind you. Um, I don't think Georgia Tech is going to be I think Georgia Tech is going to come out with some very interesting uh, offensively. I think they're going to be very interesting, and very creative. Um, you know, Jeff Collins. I mean, people I mean, there's kind of been talk that, you know, Jeff Collins kind of needs to turn the corner with this team very soon. But again, I think it's at the point to where he's got the guys in he wants He's running this. He's running his system the way he wants. So now it's just a matter of winning the game. So could this be that turning point season for Jeff Collins from a, if he doesn't win, he's out. I don't know. I feel like there may be more to be done, but we'll all see. I don't really uh, you, like I said, I've saw last year, Georgia Tech, they look good. They look better than they had looked the previous season. Um, you know, they, they're bringing in the talent. They're looking like, you know, they go from running the triple option to, you know, we're just going to, you know, run the football pass. We're just going to have try to have balanced offense. You know, Georgia Tech has had really great players on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball. So it's just a matter of just kind of and, and they can play defense. Um, you know, again, they've got talent on the defensive side. Let's let's say it that way. But nevertheless, I think. Clemson has reloaded again two new coordinators on the offensive and defensive side but you know not much has changed they've got uh they've got the talent uh they've got that quarterback they got the quarterback and DJ Uyungle so I mean I think all the pieces are kind of starting to fall back in place for Clemson so now the question is in the Atlantic division of the ACC is this still going to be the Clemson show is it going to I'm sorry still be is it going to go back to being the Clemson show or who's going to step up? I mean, Wake looks great. You know, Sam Hartman has taken some time away from football. Wish him the best. Hope to see him back soon. He's so fun to watch play football. But, you know, Dave Clawson, you know, he, he, Dave Clawson is working his magic at Wake Forest. And it's just, you know, it's, it just pay, it's paying off. It has been paying off. They've always been a good team. But in the last two or three seasons, you know, Wake has just been that team that when they come to town or you go to their house, I mean, you're going you're going to get a good football game. So is it Clemson? Is it Wake? Um, could BC slide in there? I think BC is turning the corner. 
um, you know, again, what are we going to see from Florida State on Sunday night against LSU? If Florida State goes out and gives LSU the business, even if it's a close game, you can kind of imagine that Florida State could make some noise. So the Atlantic Division could get a little bit more wide open. And of course, as we know, the ACC Coastal, that's always coastal chaos is a term. ACC, I know you're getting rid of divisions this year, but just for the heck of it, go ahead and trademark the term coastal chaos. You heard it here first and just do with it whatever you will. Put it on a T-shirt, uh, put it on some stickers, whatever you got to do. But I think that's going to be um, something that they and something I'm going to miss because, again, you know, divisional play, I think is fun. But we understand why the ACC is changing up their format. All right, so we are now at that magical time of the Friday show. So, as I said, the first Friday show since uh, coming back from my little um, one month. I think I was gone for about a month, my month sabbatical away during the summer from the show. And, of course, what do we do on Fridays? We do dubs and L. So if you're new to the show, you know, I pick some things that are great dubs. And, of course, I pick some things that are terrible happening in the world of sports uh, L. So, the dubs this week are really hard because I, I really was, I mean, honestly, I don't have anything written on my page. But off the top of my head, two things um, off the top of my head. Um, the first dub, well, the first dub is what we just finished talking about. College football's back. It's an exciting time. And I'm so happy that, you know, we're, we're, we're back in the season now. What does that mean? It means that fall's coming. And, you know, I don't mind fall. That just means out the fall comes winter. I hate winter. I hate being cold. But just as, you know, just as the seasons change, you know, spring will, you know, come again. As the old song says, you must believe in spring. And once <laughs> once winter hits, I'm believing in spring. I am a believer of spring, and I believe in it very, very strongly. But on the um and i think i had said I had two dubs oh the other dub so um this past wednesday night at or well i'm sorry wednesday night this past week as we started the u.s open i mean all the great tributes for uh serena williams as she plays in her last u.s open so i watched um i didn't see her first match but i watched the uh her entrance to arthur ash stadium and so appropriate for you know, without question, the greatest of all time um, in tennis in the open era. Um, and then, you know, she really had to dig down deep Wednesday night. Wednesday night was probably one of, you know, you could just see, you know, that first set she won the second set. I mean, it, it was a struggle. So she had to take some time, go in the locker room, refocus. And she dug deep and won that thing in three sets. So, I mean, a true champion in every respect and again, I I wish her nothing but the best. It would be beautiful to see her walk away from this thing, holding that U.S. Open trophy one more time. So we'll just have to keep tuning in and you know I and cheering her on because uh, that Wednesday night match there were so many uh, so many celebrities in attendance. I mean they were interviewing her at center court and from you know the camera angle was kind of angled so you could see her and then when they panned out you could see mary joe fernandez who was e, uh, who was interviewing her for espn and as they kind of pan more towards serena williams out the corner of your eye who you see 
standing there uh, in the front row in the stands because the man wears the brightest and loudest suits ever. Spike Lee. I love Spike Lee, so don't don't slander me. I love Spike Lee, but I'm sitting there looking at the screen and look at my wife. I'm going, man, Spike Lee be standing out because <laughs> he was wearing like a black suit with white stripes. I think he was wearing a black hat and some white sunglasses. I'm going, man, I tell you, Spike always makes an entrance, but Spike Lee was in the house. Gladys Knight, Dionne Warwick, Tiger Woods, um, her husband Alexis Ohanian, he was so hyped up, and and uh, and again a fellow Wahoo. Hey man, if you happen to hear the show, please come to the show. I'd love to talk to you because I loved how you trolled Virginia Tech after we won the national title. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, but again, um, just just great to see all that stuff um, this past week. All right, let's get to the L's. I got three L's. So two two dubs, three L's. I think that's good. But three L's. It's never good to have three L's. Let's start with the uh, let's start with the NFL L because the other two L's are from the WNBA. <laughs> I talked about one of these from the WNBA, but I just wanted on record that I think this is terrible. Matt Areza. So if you know that name, Matt Areza was a punter at San Diego State uh, last year. He was a senior. He was drafted by the Buffalo Bills. And then it recently came to light that he was involved in a gang rape of a minor while he was a student at San Diego State. So here's the here's the big well outside of the fact that he was engaged in this just disgusting behavior. So, number one, he should be in jail. But from what I read, it sounds like that, you know, it the the, the rape was not investigated properly. And so the young lady, I believe, is suing him civilly. He essentially, when she went to the police, he essentially um, admitted to the rape. And when she called him, because the police recorded this. So that's kind of the whole nother piece to it. But in getting through this, in getting to the NFL, here's the issue. The NFL will tell you that, oh, when we draft somebody or when someone's drafted, we do a full background check. We know all everything about them, just that and the third. So, NFL, answer me this question. How did you not know that this happened? This young lady made a police report. It was not properly investigated, but yet he managed to get drafted, play in an NFL preseason game, and then... He got and then the, the the bills released him. So something's not right here. I mean, everything about this is not right. But again, why wasn't this picked up on? How did he get to the NFL? Again, it's bad enough he's not in jail for this, but he again, this is insanity. This is absolute insanity, and it it, it just it just says so much about. You know what the NFL swears out they do. They swear out that they are, uh, you know, they swear out that they're thorough and they do their due diligence. Okay, so you'll do your due diligence when it suits you. We'll just leave it at that because we can think of a lot of cases of guys who got in the NFL and then, of course, they get asked questions about things that, you know, okay, um, I, um, maybe smoked you know smoke weed and you know maybe the coach uh you know suspended me and, and, and but then we, we're gonna make a big deal about that when it seems like you know a lot of guys in nfl smoke weed you know 
although you know there is a policy um, and then and there's a policy against that but again you can make a whole argument as how that policy is draconian and ridiculous considering the times that we're in um, but yeah I don't know I just feel like somebody dropped the ball on the NFL end and someone most definitely dropped the ball on this uh, case when this young man was in college and I hope that that young lady um, whom this uh, this horrible act occurred uh, to, I hope that she gets justice. I mean, civil justice is one thing, but I really believe she needs to have some criminal justice occur. And um, I don't know what the statute of limitations are in California, but let us hope that there are no statute of limitations and she gets some justice on this uh, situation. WNBA. So I got two L's from the WNBA. The first one I mentioned to you a few episodes ago about the term contract divorce. Please let us let that term die and let it die a slow and horrible death. I can't stand that. Let's say what let's say what we really want to say. Okay, this player doesn't want to be here anymore. Okay, we come to an agreement that we're going to part ways and that's how we say it. Contract divorce has to be the dumbest term I've ever heard because if we start using contract divorce here, we're going to start using it across sports. It, it stop it. Just 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 don't do that. The person who came up with contract divorce needs to be fired. Okay? You have set a precedent that sucks. So please go away. My second L from the WNBA. So it is award season. And I've said this before, but I'm gonna say it again. So we all remember, you know, Kelsey Plum getting the uh the 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 uh all-star game trophy, and it literally looks, I mean, I have an award on my desk from a job bigger than that thing. So now when we give out MVP and defensive player of the year and blah, 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 they are literally getting paperweights. So let me get this straight. The league, you say you can't charter flights. Okay, fine. We understand why that is. However, we are talking about professional athletes. They work hard during the season and in their off season to improve their craft. So when they win an award, most improved player, sixth woman of the year, defensive player of the year, MVP, so on and so forth. Can you please give them a trophy that is worthy of that award? I mean, what they give them are literally like glass paperweights. So if, um, you know what, what uh, if you get an award from your job, they, they are literally giving these players like employee of the month trophies for these huge awards. This is embarrassing. Can we please create trophies? So uh, I meant to research this, but okay, just think of some of the great players in this league. Why don't you have a trophy commissioned to um, resemble, um, you know, a likeness of a great player from this league who has won uh, maybe multiple MVPs or somebody who's, you know, uh, embodies the spirit of defensive player or most improved whatever but come up with a trophy that is a trophy you are literally giving them paperweights for all that hard work they do throughout the season it's embarrassing you hate you hate to see it i know that the players they'll say oh thank you for my award i mean they literally can hold the award in their hand the basketballs are bigger than the awards 
So let's build awards that are worthy of the accomplishments of these athletes, because this is the thing that kills me. It's like we talk so much about, you know, we want to build, uh, you know, a, a bigger fan base for the league. And the league has done that. But, you know, you still have situations like this where you're giving them these piddly awards and then people wonder, well, why, you know, what what's the problem with the WNBA? They can't properly recognize their uh, their athletes, their their players. Now, if you have a player of the week award and you actually give them something, that's fine. Or player of the month, give them that little thing for player of the month. But MVP, give them a real freaking trophy because, you know, you walk into, you know, this player's house and, you know, I'm expecting to see like a nice, you know, trophy case with, you know, or in some cases, you know, with, with sports trophies, they're pretty big, you know, individual trophies or, you know, if you win like some trophy and maybe they got a trophy room and they've got a shelf and maybe if you won maybe a couple MVPs, maybe three MVPs, let's just say that. Somebody who's won three MVPs, they've got the MVPs laid out in a row. You go to these players' houses and, you know, they got these little glass paperweights on a freaking uh, mantle over the fireplace. Come on, WNBA, do better. All right, that was my rant for the day. So I have other things to rant and be angry about right now. So I'm going to go do those things. But I appreciate you listening. Thank you so much for tuning in again to the Sports Wagon Podcast. So as I always ask you to uh, rate, subscribe, review, uh, spread the word about the podcast. Um, interact with me. I'm on social media, Twitter and Instagram. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. And until I talk to you again, I'm thinking it'll be Monday. That's the guess. But look, look out for the episode. And until I talk to you again... Make sure you continue to protect yourself. We are still in a pandemic. Um, do what works for you. Um, we're just getting in a period of time where, you know, folks feel that they're, I guess you could say, a little too familiar about, you know, how they want to speak to you and tell you your business. So, you know, do what works for you. And, of course, you know, don't be that guy. Remember to drink your water and mind the business that pays you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sports wagon pod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.